idea why the hell I did this. Staring into your helmet while we both die of asphyxiation is so unromantic. But Squally Poo, I'm so happy you're here to die with me. I was afraid I'd have to die alone. Yeah, great. Now we get to die together because I just did the stupidest thing I've ever done. How are we hearing each other through the vacuum of space, anyway? Oh, Squall, my little lover boy, it's the power of love and peace that's letting our hearts hear each other through the cold. No, if the last thing I ever hear is you spouting off about love and peace triumphing over the universe, my life will end on the worst note possible. Can you possibly say something that doesn't make me want to pop my helmet and succumb to decompression? Squall, my mega hunk of man, isn't that a spaceship floating towards us that no one ever mentioned was up here and is somehow just fine after millions of monsters rammed into it? Huh. If we can get into that incredibly convenient piece of technology that will, of course, save us when we had no other hope, I can think of all the other reasons I never should have shot it into space to rescue you in the first place. Squall, Honeybudge, these clones of Ridley aren't succumbing to the power of love and peace. But that doesn't matter when I hid my dog in a secret part of my spacesuit. So there he goes to bite their heads off. Ridley, no creator, mother brain. Bah, whatever. I should be happy we don't have to fight Klingons or Romulans, but I'm not. I'm stuck with you again. What was I thinking? Our love will conquer all, sweetums. Ultimisha has no love in her at all, or else I'd say time compression that lets us be in love forever is great. You know what? I just realized that I liked you better as a comatose lump. You and Sid and Cypher and Adia and Sue and Laguna and Alone and all the other people who keep telling me to make a great leader when I just want to do my job and not have anything get complicated. Whatever, I don't want to talk about it anymore, so go away. Why do you keep treating me like a burden, dearest? Everything I do, I do it for you. And that's why I want to tell you, live from the internet, it's RPG Backtrack. We talk about Quest for Glory 1 and Madao Monogatari, but only after our divided panel debates the merits and challenges of Final Fantasy VIII. This is a fight so big that our boss had to jump in. Will this middle child from the PS1 era divide the RP Gamer staff in two? Is there a way to actually enjoy this black sheep in the Final Fantasy family? Find out the answer to this and so much more on today's episode of RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back right up to yesteryear. It's also the place where we can't pronounce proper nouns, encourage spoilers, and the host doesn't know the difference between a squall and a tropical storm. My name is Phil Willis. And I am Mike Minky. And boy, Minky, do we have a show tonight, or today, or whenever people are listening to this. Holy sweet mother of mercy. Wow. Mike, why don't you introduce our, our, our guest today? Well, we are welcoming back Charles Reimer. Hello. And Sam Marcello. Howdy, howdy. And we have on the new revamped version of the backtrack, for the very first time, our boss, Mr. Michael Cunningham. All hail, Michael Cunningham. Good evening, gentlemen and ladies. Yes, master. What shall we talk about today on backtrack number 19? Whatever you want. <laughs> and we also it's your show now. I've bequeathed it, so take over. <laughs> For the very first time on any form of RPG backtrack or regular podcast, we have Becky Cunningham. Hello, Becky! I am not Michael Cunningham's wife. Nor any kind of relation, actually. Despite what other PR agencies may believe, 
wicked stepdaughter. It's simply the fact that Cunningham is an incredibly good last name, and it happens to be had by a number of good, really good people. Isn't that it, right? Well, Absolutely. you all did hear. You did hear the story that I told her that uh, she posted a story, and a PR guy from one of the companies we deal with said, uh, "Thank your wife for posting that news for us." And I was like, <laughs> "No, not quite." <laughs> Well, it's good to know that you can pose as husband and wife if the occasion ever happened, such as we see in all those spy movies. Mm. Well, uh, <laughs> since this is the first time the Cunninghams, I mean, uh, Michael and Becky have been onto the show, uh, we got to take them through the, our normal gauntlet of questions. So let's start, ladies first, with Miss Becky. How are you doing, Becky? I'm doing great, thanks. Oh, awesome. So, tell us what's your handle on RP Gamer and what do you do there for our wonderful listening audience? Sure, my handle on RP Gamer is Ocelot, and I am currently the pretty much most active um, news reporter on RP Gamer. Last time I checked, you were the only. I'm sorry, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I keep seeing yeah, your name pop, pop up so much. I figured you were the only one left. I, I think we have one or two others, but oh, okay. And uh, so, so tell us a little bit about your gaming history. Sure. Um, I've been a gamer since about the mid-80s when my parents bought us an Apple IIc, which was upgraded then to a 2E and 2GS. Um, I really only, I played a lot of um, PC RPGs in the early days. I didn't actually get into consoles until about 2003, so I don't have the common sort of um, memories that a lot of people have of playing Final Fantasy VII and thinking it was the most amazing thing ever. But um, I do love both um stereotypical Western RPGs and JRPGs, so um, I have a pretty wide bunch of gaming preferences. Um, I also love um, playing platformers and various other quirky kinds of games. And uh, from what I understand, we're going to be able to be looking forward to you doing some PC segments on the backtrack, huh? I will indeed. Well, I'm looking forward to that because, as most of our listeners know, I love my PC RPGs. So, so we know you like PC RPGs um, and whatnot. But what's your what's your favorite type as far as subgenre goes? Do you prefer the tactical or or you know the story driven? What what what's your favorite type of RPG? Uh, mostly the story driven RPGs. Um, either the ones where you get to um, sort of like Baldur's Gate style, where you get to make a lot of uh, decisions for your character, or just the JRPG ones, which are basically good stories. And along those lines, what's your favorite RPG of all time? Um, currently, I think it's Dragon Age Origins because I got more into um, yeah. my character in that one than anything else that I've played. That's a very, very good answer. Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome game. And definitely, I really love how Dragon Age Origin brings back the spirit of how you, the character, have the ability to make choices that has a profound impact on other characters and on the story. So that, that's pretty nice. And I think that I played a human noble, and I think that was one of the types of characters that was um, that really sort of motivates you to want to kick some butt. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, because the human noble pretty much gets betrayed in a terrible way at the very beginning during her origin story, so mm-hmm. she's got quite a motivation to try to revenge herself upon the bad guys. No, that's what I get for playing an elf. I miss out on these things. Speaking of fun times, Mr. Michael Cunningham, welcome back to RPG Backtrack, the newly revamped version. How are you doing? I'm as happy as a cactuar in a needle factory. Woo-hoo. So, what's your... How this... happy is that? 
<laughs> it could be very happy or it could be not happy at all. It's all your call. <laughs> oh, I see. You're Mr. Mysterious tonight. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. Well, what's not mysterious is is your handle and what you do, uh, but go ahead and tell our audience anyways. Yes, I'm Max Storm. I've been with RP Gamer since 2006, and against my better wishes and desires, I'm the editor-in-chief currently, and yeah, that just comes with a whole lot of stuff, so <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes me your boss, and everybody here's boss, but yeah, yeah whatever, I'll let y'all take charge. <laughs> Mac, hire me more newsies. Newsies! Oh. Somebody better be doing that. We've got some good applications. He needs to hop to. Or that I'm gonna... would be Castamel's department, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or we're going to need a new HR yes, person. Castamel's. Castamel okay. naps through every day, okay? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but enough about uh, internal politics. Well, what else do you want to know? Enough um, about internal politics. More about Michael Cunningham. Tell us about your gaming history and what brought you to RPG Backtrack. I mean, RP, RPGamer.com. RPGamer. I used to run this thing, man. It's it's kind of weird being on the receiving end of questions. Yeah, founding this podcast many years ago. I'm very uh, happy that y'all have taken it and done what you have with it. So just want to start off by saying that. Um, gaming history, man. Uh, a lot like everybody else here, been gaming since the mid-'80s. And, you know, started with uh, Nintendo, Atari, just playing whatever I had at the time. And then eventually picking up uh, Super Nintendo and, I guess, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy IV back in the day were my original games and kind of made me a Final Fantasy fanboy. And anything else that came out RPG-wise in that time, used to, we didn't have that many options, so Mm -hmm. you just pick up whatever came out. But it was mostly consoles. I didn't really play any, um, as far as uh, what really got me started into uh, RPGs, was mostly console stuff. Didn't play any PC stuff until, I guess, probably Diablo later in the 90s. So there wasn't much else that I'd really done other than console stuff. And it was mostly Final Fantasy at the time. Had some Lufia... um, Lagoon, a little action RPG, you know, Zelda, as much as you can consider Zelda an RPG and the, the saga games that were made into Final Fantasy Legends for the U.S. It's pretty much my intro into RPGs, and for many years, that's pretty much been the majority of what I play. I'd say a good 75 to 80% of my gaming is RPGs, and the other... 20% it's probably just casual stuff that I'm, you know, getting to play with my wife for whenever we have friends over, stuff like that. Hmm. Coolie, coolie. So, um, so with all that, because you, you listed so many different games there, which is your favorite? What's your favorite RPG of all time? Oh, that's the most loaded question. That's like trying to, it's like those, uh, Duggar family trying to pick their favorite kid. That's right. You know, it's near impossible to do. The seven you know, kids I, line up in front of you and say, Daddy, which one's the favorite? Yeah, you no, got, got like, which one do you love most, Daddy? Yeah, which one? Which one are you going <laughs> to care for forever and ignore the rest? As I, 
as I look at my wall of RPGs behind me, there's nearly, I'd say probably 300 in here, and there's just no way I could pick one. You know, I love the Final Fantasy series. I'm clearly a fanboy, but uh love Dragon Age Origins. I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed Demon Souls. Um, everybody that's on staff knows I'm a sucker for Rondo of Swords. That's one of my favorite DS titles. Uh, Dragon Quest Rocket Slime. Uh, I've become a big PSP fanboy here recently and just playing a lot of games on that. Uh, Lunar and uh, Jean d'Arc are both wonderful games. And, uh, you know, the Xenosaga games, especially Xenosaga 3. Uh, yeah, it's hard for me to pick just one. It really would be. And I'm not going to do it. Uh, Shining Force, you know, I could leave things out if I name them all. But... Uh, Okay, all that really matters is what is your favorite, which which Final Fantasy is your favorite? See, that too is a really loaded question, because, you know, thinking, thinking nostalgically, of course Final Fantasy IV is the one that got me into the series and the RPGs in general. And as I look, I have Rydia and Rosa and, Cis and Cecil and little figurines on my desk, so they definitely are probably, uh, you know, just by default I'd have to say four. But I'm a big fan of 10 and 12 as well, mostly for the, I don't know, it's hard to even say why. But 10 and 12 also hold a special place in my heart. So I'm probably one of the few people you'll talk to that doesn't just default to Final Fantasy 6 VI or 7. Those those would have been acceptable answers. The other ones you gave us, unfortunately, were wrong. But that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll not kick you off the show this time for your indiscretion. <laughs> I always try to buck the trend, you know. Got to so, break away from the mold. Okay, okay. Let's let's see if we can. Pick... Saturn. That's plenty to show how you do that. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see if we can at least pin you down on this one question. Out of all the subgenres of RPG, which one do you enjoy playing the most? Well, just because there's so many different uh, crappy traditional RPGs, I'd have to say one genre that I'm a sucker for is tactical RPGs. So if I had to pin down to something, you know, I guess when you talk about being a, an RP gamer, I'd say who hasn't sat and thought about what kind of game you would make if you could make your own? Mm -hmm. You know, mm, That's true. And if I had that option, it would be a tactical RPG. I loved Vandal Hearts, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, Jean d'Arc, Rondo of Swords, all those. It's definitely... My favorite subgenre. Yeah, Vandal Hearts is one of the you know few RPGs I I still kept on the PlayStation One from the PlayStation One era. I have a ton of games from just about every console, but when it came to PlayStation One, the, the graphics were such a, a turn off to me. I think people jumped into the whole 3D realm a little too soon because it's really hard for me to go back and look at those guys, especially when they're on the uh, big screen. Uh, it's a little bit easier on the PSP, but uh, okay. if you go back and you look at, at my disc that I still have, that I still kept, uh, Vandal Hearts is right in there with uh, Parasite Eve and a couple of other ones. I, I think in order to better answer both of your questions, looking at my wall of RPGs, the only things that I've ever imported are scenarios 2 and 3 of Shining Force 3, mm. so that should give you some kind of symbol, and the DS version of Final Fantasy 4. So I guess that answers your question. I'm a Final Fantasy 4 fanboy and Shining Force 3 as well. So tactical RPGs and Final Fantasy 4, to answer your question. Did, did, you, play the, did you play through the uh, Final Fantasy 4 DS version? I did, and I actually played through most of the import version that I ordered before we got the localized version too. And what did I you? I think I got all the way to the underworld. And what did you think of that real fast? I'm just kind of curious. 
good and bad. Um, there was some things about the remake that just didn't sit well with me. I loved the way they fleshed out the, uh, the character designs. They had a little bit more depth to the story. I thought they could go a little deeper, and I really would have appreciated them taking the Final Fantasy IV advanced way of having all the characters available at the end in your party instead of the you know the default way that they just have everybody. Oh, we're just going to chill out here in this tower. So I did miss that from the remake, but they did. It was nice to have voice acting. It was a nice uh, challenge upgrade, but the augment system didn't really set well with me as much as just the fact you had so much randomization to that. Didn't really know what was going on. But I'd say if I had to go back and play another one, it'd probably be Final Fantasy IV Advance before the DS version. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I think... I think that's a pretty good answer. Pretty much echoes a lot of my own uh, sentiments. Of course, um, I didn't get past the stupid moon because they kept killing me because I didn't augment my people properly or something. I don't know. No, so my right. response gets a four out of five. Yeah, okay. you get to, you. We'll let you stay on because that last answer was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, by the time I got to the moon, on I mean I really was liking Final Fantasy IV DS, but when I got to the moon, everything started kicking my rear end through the teeth, and no matter what I did, my love for the game quickly turned into hate, which leads us to our next topic, Final Fantasy Hate, or 8, in just a few moments. Final Fantasy VIII. This is the this is the proverbial elephant in the room whenever you talk about the Final Fantasy series. More than any other game, when I've discussed uh, the series with other people, Final Fantasy VIII is the one that tends to uh, to earn grimaces or people take deep pauses and try to construct their thoughts real carefully before they dive into this particular uh, particular one. Let's start off with Mr. Minky. Minky, what can you tell us about Final Fantasy VIII? Oh boy. I can tell you that this is the one where you get to beat the devil and make him your servant. I liked that. I like having the devil on my team. Uh, this is the one where getting levels... Did we play the same game? What in the world? Diablos. Uh, you could yes, you talked to me about the devil. The devil that makes me have no random encounters and is so very helpful because of that. Yes, he's good in that aspect. You know, I almost want to go around the room and find out which one of us hates the game and which one of us can tolerate it so we know what, you know, we're going to get before we hear this. That, that's a good idea. Becky, hate or love or tolerate? For Final Fantasy VIII? Yep, hate, love, or tolerate? Tolerate. Charles? Um, somewhere between tolerate and love. <laughs> Michael? I'm with Charles. It, it's no longer a hate, and I'll explain later. Mr. Mankey? Uh, somewhere between loathe and strongly dislike. <laughs> Sam. I don't want to answer. <laughs> Sam pleads the That's fifth. That's not an answer. <laughs> Break out the backbone. Come on. You can do this. You're the best around. 
Nothing's ever going to keep you down, Sam. I'm with Mike. It's on the dislike and loathe. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with like, with hating it. Oh, as long as I hate for the right reasons. Yeah. yeah, as long as y'all can understand there's reasons that some people may like it. You know, and that's poor Glenn. He's missing out on all the hate. Okay, let's let's before we dive into the main the the main caveats of why we do or don't like the game. Let's let's talk about some of the peripherals first. Let's talk about let's talk about the story. Was it a good story? Oh, that a peripheral in this <laughs> game? <laughs> I was being sarcastic, but we got to focus on one thing. So let's focus on the story first. What did what did you all think about the story? Uh, Sam, you can't use profanity on this cast, right? <laughs> I, I, I think Sam wants to go. Go ahead, Sam. I wanted to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> what? That's how much I hate the story in this game. But there's romantic scenes. They, they, they're 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 dying in space. No, 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 no. no, no, no. It's romantic dribble. <laughs> dribble. Twilight. It's awful. <laughs> we don't we don't Twilight want to discuss. <laughs> we don't want to discuss romantic plots with me on this cast, are okay? To, are you trying to say that Squall was a vampire? Oh my god, he was you totally should. Rob Pattinson. Hey, there's a great theory. Have we ever seen Squall in direct daylight not sparkling? There's you, there you go. <laughs> okay, I need to know something. Since me and Charles seem to be the only people that can actually tolerate the game, what did you think about the, the uh, story, Charles? Well, I, the first two discs were actually my favorite, particularly the first one. I like the different setting, actually, and I like the progression of, you know, Squall's inner sarcastic dialogues. Somewhere around disc three, where, you know, we get the whole romance arc coming out of nowhere, it started getting a bit, mm, That, and, of course, the entire ending was... I don't even care anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it does start off a lot better than it uh, ends, ends, and then it goes to... <laughs> And let's just say that Amnesia plays a horrible, horrible aspect of the I'm, game. I'm actually trying to forget that one myself, literally. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I'm not I going to let you. The... I'm going to. I'm going to bring that up and say, if junctioning GFs makes you forget things, why does it only make you forget one thing that happened to everybody else in your team, and not, I don't know, who you are, where you live, what you do, and what happens? If you just keep junctioning, do you forget everything? Because these people have been junctioning for a very long time, and they only seem to have forgotten one specific memory. I don't buy it. The other problem with this is, of course, Irvin's entire characterization of just keeping quiet for two discs. It's about as annoying as um, Tifa in Seven. I can agree with that. I don't know. I liked Irvin because he was quiet. I liked him because he was a cowboy. <laughs> Becky, what did, what did, yeah, as the uh, as the other lady on the podcast here, what did you think about the romantic story of Final Fantasy VIII? I don't know if I got that far. I um, I think I quit after the orphanage realization. <laughs> Smart move. Yeah, Carl. I, I, I think anybody that's played this can honestly say that even the parts of the story you may like and even the parts of the story that kind of fit and come together still don't really have any kind of hold. And even if you like the game, chances are it's not 
not for the story. Is it is oh. is it actually is it actually worse than Final Fantasy VII? Because I mean, we talked about Final Fantasy VII a few shows ago, and most of us agreed that yes, between the translation issues and some of the, it was really hard to put together the plot, and some of the characters just really didn't step up at all. Is this actually worse than that? Yes, very much. Translation's better. Oh yes, the translation. I'll give it that. Translation's much better, but the story. Oh god, no! Having played both of these games just recently, yeah, no. Uh, eight, just no, no. So refresh my memory. I just played this thing, and I don't think Adele said anything. Did anybody remember her having a line? I, I don't think she says anything. I mean, I mean, she might have one line, but it's a throwaway line in battle. Like, rah, 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 rah. Okay, let's just stop here a second. You know what the best part of that whole battle is? Renoa being strapped to Adel's chest, and you can watch her die. I killed her on purpose first time around. <laughs> wow, you're so vindictive. That is nice. I like that. We just kind of jumped head first into the story, didn't we? Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I have right. to see it for myself. People don't even know who Adel is. And... I also like how after you beat Adia in Disc 3, she just joins you for a while and she hasn't bothered to change her outfit. So she's apparently beating enemies up with the power of her really, really long nails. And every time she does that, she keeps her balance with that gigantic thing on her shoulders. That's very impressive. Okay, story-wise, what was there anything any of you all found appealing at all on this game, story-wise? I know Charles said he kind of likes Squall's personality and... Uh, you know, his little silent quips. And as far as a character goes, Squall, that first part of the game really didn't bother me as much as where it went. You know, if they'd have found something other than the whole, oh, we just forgot we were in an orphanage together and that this sorceress that we'd been fighting was actually, like, the woman that took care of us for all this time. Yeah, by the way, since you encourage spoilers, bam, there you go. Um, <laughs> no! But could that maybe explain why Irvin was so slow to take the shot against her? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think you at least mentioned it earlier. You know, not wait 20 hours. That seemed kind of important to leave out. Yeah, I don't want to shoot mom. You know, she was like a mom to us. <laughs> she was like, a- what the crap? <laughs> and and the swapping between the flashback scenes, you know, Laguna was actually kind of interesting, but the way it played out, that you were flashing back into his life in the past, and it was, it. seriously, what in the world were they thinking with the story here as far as the way they told it? It would have been nice to have the flashbacks, you know, in some way whatsoever, but it just didn't want, blend well. They wanted us Actually, to go back to Bizarro World. That was the problem. Well, here's uh, one problem. is um, You know, towards the end of the game, one thing that probably would have helped is a bit more Laguna. I mean, we only watched for like a five-minute cutscene of him defeating Adele. We don't actually get to defeat Adele as him. That would have probably been infinitely more interesting. Speaking of yeah, Adele, at- has anyone ever wondered why... They didn't just kill her instead of going through all that effort to put her up into space and watch uh, her. Ooh, I think I have a theory. They couldn't junction, so they didn't have to go. Oh, I was just going to say every Final Fantasy has to have space fit in somehow. That too. Yeah, well, we already had that with uh, the fun space journey of Renoa and Squall, which Sam loves so much. Crowl. Now, now, now we kind of jumped jump ship 
back to Laguna for just a second. What do we really see him do other than, you know, hanging out in a bar, wanting to hit on a girl but not having the nerve to, uh, going up to her room and kind of being freaked out? Uh, you see him in a movie fighting a dragon. What That's that part always part. just blows oh, my that mind. Oh, that is a hard mini game. Yeah. Oh, I hate that part. Um, yeah, but would have liked where it did if that come from? If the dragon took fewer than 15 hits or so and you took more than three, that would have been nice. Oh, yeah, that was a really bad minigame. I love the music, though. The yeah, music in Final Fantasy VIII is pretty impressive. I do like some of it. But, yeah, story. It seems like... I guess we're kind of all over the place talking about story because the game is all over the place when it comes to story. So it, it kind of makes sense. You know, you have Squall, the main character, and um, his constant dueling battle with Seifer. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that I how y'all pronounce it? Seifer sounds right. Cypher. It rhymes with Kiefer. We know how his name is goes. So however it's pronounced, you know, the two of them, if there had been more played up between the two of them, I think it would have actually been more interesting but, you know, you had uh, Cypher always wanting to be a knight and wanting to protect, you know, Idea. But he's in there so sporadically. And, I mean, he is a, he's a good jerk character, a good <laughs> pain-in-the-butt character. But they just didn't use him to his full potential to where he really, you know, could have actually been an interesting antagonist. Another problem was exactly to what degree was he brainwashed? Because he seemed to be all over the place in his actual beliefs and what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it probably took much at all. You know, that was something that seemed to just come pretty well, natural yeah, to him. Idea pretty much called him a little boy, insulting his manhood, and he took that and ran off and said, Well, how dare you insult my manhood? I am going to serve you forever because that is how I deal with these things. That's pretty much how it was. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think the, the best thing to say about the story of this game is that if anybody plays it just for the story, yeah, you're going to be disappointed because it's all over the place. Let's There's also a- just... Go ahead. Just to insert... Um, let's just talk about the women quickly. Let me get my like women selfie? hate rant. Like right, out of the way the... because we knew this is coming. All right. Okay. Well, do we, do we need right to? Do I need to put some extra music here as a segue to a new segment, <laughs> Sam? No, 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 no. Look, woman beef segment. <laughs> I really should have a segment. My beef with women. Beef with women with RPGs. Today, Sam talks about Final Fantasy hate. Go ahead, Sam. Right. Will it come okay. with a piece of sausage? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll put in some intro music right there where, you know, you have some, like, a country something, and the guy goes, Sui! And that's the, that's the ham coming in the sausage, so she can get her... Go ahead. All right, talk okay. about the women. I gotta just make my complaint about the women. You know, I mean, I complained about the ones in seven. The ones in eight are worse. I like, mm-hmm. a lot. Because, let's let's start with Keistus. Poor, filthy, multitasking Keistus. Hottest woman in the party. Likes Squall. What's wrong with you, woman? Um, Pretty much doesn't do a lot in the game. They could have had a lot of potential for her. Wasted that completely. I mean, really hot woman wants to... She's a, 
hot for teacher too. You know, she's she, she is. <laughs> she's not that much older than them, if at all. I don't know their ages. A year. She, she's she's eighteen. She's eighteen. The rest are nine. I'm seventeen. But yeah. you know, here she is, an instructor in you know garden, and she was with them at a young age. Uh, I don't know the whole age thing in Japanese RPGs always doesn't sit well with me anyway so <laughs> they're all 17 to 19 years old yeah she became an instructor at 15 so she's got three years experience in that field already I don't know she's the character with the wasted potential besides yes. uh, Irvine there because you know uh, Irving only because you know nothing gets really done with them and nothing gets settled for them like Keith just gets to go tell Squall like oh I like you and there's a T-Rex behind us and he's just like whatever <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what was that? Seriously. I mean, if I was, you know, confessing my love for a man who then told me whatever, I would have fed him to the T-Rex. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, okay. Well, apparently, you've never, been in a hope- you've never been in a hopeless relationship before, apparently, so... <sighs> no, I guess that happened. Sam, then- what do you think of the just inexplicable decision, the unremarked-upon decision that Selfie is going to pilot our airship. Oh my god, the world is over! <laughs> as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, oh my god, no, no. If anything explodes, it's Selfie's fault. So then I just decided that I'm blaming everything on Selfie. So if something goes wrong in that game, it's Selfie's fault. It's kind of like my theory of how in Final Fantasy XIII, everything is Vanille's fault. Oh, there's people coming after Vanille's fault. <laughs> Same idea. <laughs> Same idea here. Okay? Don't play too much of that game. You may find out you're right. <laughs> now, I, Sam, Sam, I'm just, you, you, this might surprise you, but I'm detecting just a tad little bit of bitterness going on here. Just a little. <laughs> just a, a little? Just a, well, okay. Phil turned down the bitterness sensor a while back so that it wouldn't break. <laughs> But you know what? I don't have a lot to say about Selfie, because Selfie was just idiotic. Yeah. All right. That's about all get you can the... say about her. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of the one yes. I actually have a true problem with. <laughs> Renoa. Bring it home, Sam. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's see. She, you know, wants to kill the president of whatever city ever. Don't Bombardia. care. Bombardia. Thank you. Um, fails to do it. Has the most stupidest plan to do it. <laughs> What, the um, train plan wasn't good? She had, you know, action figures and everything. Well, clearly, clearly. Yeah, you this gotta is love like how, her plan, how her fake train looked terrible because, uh, what was her justification? I didn't want to spend the effort to make it look good for this evil president. He's not worth it. That was her justification. And her little organization committee that she had with her, they'd all sit and huddle in the corner like a bunch of third graders. Loved that part of it. Love that she's like totally the most competent leader ever. Yeah, no, I can't even say that sarcastically. <laughs> um, my biggest beef with Renoa is her whole justification for having a crush on Squall, which is pretty much, oh my god, he is so hot. No, that- no, it's, oh my god, he is the main character, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, their, their romance, I don't, people have tried to justify this one to me. In fact, I wrote an editorial where I completely ripped apart that romance and people got really mad at me. But truthfully, their romance makes absolutely 
no sense. It's almost like Squall wakes up one day and he goes, oh, I think I like her. And it's like, really? You like this uh, bumbling airhead. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you gotta love how once, once she's knocked out, he suddenly cares for her far, far more than he ever did. And once she's awake again, he stops caring for her as much. What the ha- what happened here? She woke up. See, <laughs> see the thing is, the, the story, characters, and relationships in this game, you know, picking them apart and making fun of them is like the equivalent of picking on the child in the Special Olympics that comes in last. You know, you, you just don't want to do it because it's already sad enough. Yeah. That doesn't stop South Park, and it's not going to stop us. Yeah. Uh, Charles, you there? Uh-huh, yes. Charles, let me ask you, since you've been a little quiet for a little bit here, did you find, did you did you like any of the characters? Let's see, as I said, I actually do like Squirrel, barring the few moments where he decided he liked um, the comatose victim. Um, <laughs> exactly. I don't know, I don't... I just thought he was a more interesting lead than, you know, the more peppy characters or the more I'm psychotic cloud characters. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. Here's just a little bit different. Not something I like to see too often, but, you know, for a little different flavor of the month sort of thing, it was fun. I thought Quizzes had great potential, but again, as mentioned, they pretty much said, oh, well, let's just get rid of her now and just keep her in the party as a peripheral. And uh, I mean, overall, would you say, did, uh, as far as all the, the characters as a whole go, uh, the cast as a whole, did you did did you find yourself as a whole liking them or not caring about them? It's, I just didn't really care because the game didn't put much effort into me caring about them. There's not a lot of interaction between them. Um, depth, still a bit more than say Final Fantasy XII or something like that, but the characters just don't go anywhere for the most part. There are stylish, but that's about it. This basically gets running on sort of a rule of style than a rule of actually of any depth. Uh, Becky, I know you didn't get through the whole game. Do you have any thoughts? I noticed no one even mentioned Zell. I mean, like, he was totally tubular. He didn't get anywhere. (laughs) He's the hot dog guy. I watched that in the cinema where he is stuffing hot dogs into his face and then apparently choking on them. (laughs) Yeah. I'll, I'll say... I don't want to cut you off, but I'll say that I'll agree with Charles about Squall being a little more interesting as a main character, aside from the relationship they tried to force on him. I can kind of understand, and I said this in the review that I wrote of the game, is that his little dark, brooding, kind of whatever, don't care attitude is really... The game actually does a good job of showing you why he's a quiet loner why he doesn't like to open up to the rest of the team. And throughout the course of the game, he really does kind of open up because he does have, you know, he's got his own internal problems that seem a little more realistic than, you know, somebody that's just been infused with Mako and is, you know, going nuts because they've been injected with cells from some creature from another planet or something like that. You know, he has had a childhood full of loss, full of tragedy, full of things. The Guardian Force kind of crap that they throw in there that's saying oh well you know he just forgot things because of guardian forces that part really ruins anything they try to build up with him but you know the scenes where it shows him at the orphanage in the rain crying out you know they really did try to make him into a more humanistic character than anybody else 
in a lot of the prior games. And I guess, you know, it just showed he was a little more fragile, but at the same time a little more realistic. But they never really accomplished what they set out to do with the game, which kind of leads everybody back to disliking it, and justifiably so. Wow, I thought he was just a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as long as we're talking about this game's story, there's one thing we haven't mentioned yet, and it's everybody's favorite topic. Time compression. Uh, Come on, everybody. I know you've got lots of thoughts on this. Yeah, no. No. (laughs) By that point, I was just ready to beat the game and go on, because seriously, what are you doing at that point? Time compression? Don't forget, we've survived thanks to love and friendship. I'd like to to mention, I am perfectly prepared to believe that Ultimecia, just for the sake of being a... Ampersand! ...is going to wipe out everything that ever is, was, or will be. I guess that's justifiable. Let's merge all time frames into one. <sighs> See, I Fine, was... She's a witch. She's a witch, not anything else. <laughs> I'm just well, that's true. She is. Yeah, but I thought Ultimate is another really large waste of potential because if you actually think about her reasons for a minute, it's actually quite tragic. But then you remember, oh wait, this is Tom Fancy Eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I okay, guess. so so in the interest of time compression, um, <laughs> yeah, we have a you know the story is only one aspect of the game. We need to touch on some of the other ones before we, we run out of time to compress. Uh, well, let's talk uh, since since we're we're on such a roll of talking about things that we have concerns with. Let's talk about the battle system. Yay! 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 Charles, I'll get that a yay. Charles, t- tell us what you like about the battle system. Well, I'm always a sucker for the ATB, except in 9. Um, this game, of course, I liked... Um, actually, one thing I again I thought they dropped in the potential was... You, the only squall in for the five minutes you control him, Cypher had the whole time action commands. And while I know a lot of people don't like quick time events, I thought it would at least be nice if the rest of the cast had that option occasionally. So it's something to do with the whips or trying to time fist punch and everything... I thought that was the one lacking part of the actual combat itself. Maybe they should have had gun gun whips, too. That would have been cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hot. How about gun nunchaku? I've seen worse. (laughs) Uh, Explosive nunchaku, that would work better. Yes. You have dynamite. Actually, actually, given Sophie's personality, dynamite nunchaku would probably be really in line. And she'd probably make herself explode in the process. Remember, <laughs> selfie's not that bright. <laughs> kind of klutzy, yeah. Poor girl. Let's see, but um, for the overall combat, though, I mean, it's just sort of your normal style, quick-paced, a lot of fun. Um, the only problem was actually in battle was drawing, and here comes Pandora's box. Oh boy. Uh, here we go. Hold on, let me put on my seatbelt. <laughs> we said the D word. <laughs> We're on the drawing. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. He said he said drawing, so here we go. Go ahead. Talk about Sorry. the draw. <laughs> well, for drawing though, at least you know they had alternatives. That was probably the one saving grace. 
then again, there was still a lot of stuff he had to draw occasionally if you wanted to actually get any quantities of them. Let me just explain this just for the two people in the world who haven't had the chance to play Final Fantasy VIII. Drawing is the is the whole, is the whole practice in combat. In most in most RPGs, your spellcasters normally learn spells as they gain levels and they can cast them until they run out magic points. In Final Fantasy VIII, anybody can cast spells provided that they suck them out of monsters through the draw command. So you you, you use a draw command on a monster and you get uh, a few uh, spells that are determined by that. Uh, you know, I guess certain monsters have or, or enemies have certain spells on them for the most part. Uh, and, and then later on, you can junction those guys, you know, to different armors or what? How do you junction? Oh, to your stats, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you junction them to your stats. So, uh, you know, the more you draw, the more powerful those stats get. But when you cast, you use them up. So the weaker those stats get. Um, okay, now that I explain what drawing is, what did what did you like or didn't like about it, Charles? Um, well, pretty much unless you um, have really high magic stat, which you're probably not given magic use. It's useless. Um, draws are usually going to be between 1 to 5, when really you're not going to get anywhere unless you're drawing perfect 9s all over the time. All the time. And it's just it takes forever to actually amass any amount of magic that's worthwhile unless you're getting those 9s consecutively. And so that was a, a miss for you then? You didn't care yes. for that mechanic? Not at all. But now, once you drew them and then you junction them, did you like the ability to be able to junction magic to various aspects of your character? Was that fun, or was that a minus? No, I actually like junction. That's actually probably my favorite system in the entire series, oddly enough. It's the process of getting there that's more annoying than anything else. Okay. Mike, talk to us about the battle system. You're on the other side of the argument. Well... After not too long, I decided that drawing up to 100 for everyone, because I quickly realized that despite my hopes, I was not drawing into a group pool of magic. No, I was drawing for each individual character. So somebody I hadn't been using for a while would not have any magic unless I switched it all over and then... uh, And yes, I drew. I drew a lot. I didn't like drawing. It got boring really fast. And then... Yeah, I quickly noticed that Squall was pretty effective at drawing because his level was usually higher than everybody else's, while everyone else tended to get fewer draws, so I had to spend even longer with them if I wanted to make them useful. And then I decided, no, I don't want to do that. So I tried to use the item refinement method. Well, you know what? To get really good spells refined, you have to either mug them off of enemies or buy them in large quantities and... Sometimes you're in the middle of a dungeon and you need a spell and you can't get out quickly or conveniently. So there you go. I I will say that I liked the idea of junctioning spells. I will also say that getting the most worthwhile spells is an incredibly time-consuming process that I refused to indulge in for long because I just got bored out of my mind. And there we go. An excellent theory that was not borne out in its execution, says I. Mr. Cunningham. I'm really interested to hear how everybody played this game because, you know, like a lot of people, I played this the very first time when it first came out back in, is it 98? And. Nine. 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 I thought. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It, yes, it came out it was, in the same week as the Dreamcast, didn't it? It did. Yes. Oh, I it is. It, they were, um, in Charlie's Angels, they were playing it on a Dreamcast. <laughs> so, 
when I first played it, I had the same opinion as many, many other people. Couldn't stand it. I mean, because it played so much differently than anything else. It wasn't the same as Final Fantasy VII or any of the other ones before that where you're you know, supposed to go along, level up your characters, get more spells, um, get unique skills, all kinds of stuff. So my playthrough the initial time, I, I didn't like it either. There was no appealing aspects to this game, and it was easily at the bottom of my list. So earlier, I guess it was earlier this year or late last year, I decided to replay it, reading up on, you know, how everybody that actually loves the game liked to play it and kind of got a better understanding of a lot of the systems that it does not really explain well to you and came to the realization that this battle system made things very, very fun for me because it encouraged you to not fight random battles, to not summon monsters, to not use magic, to not really fight anything but bosses, if at all possible. And the drawing aspect of it, yeah, you'd have to stop and draw for a little bit, and eventually you'd hit the world map and you'd find some places to draw on there that you could draw later in the game repeatedly from in quick bursts. But that replaced all the boring random battles that you'd go through. It replaced all of the grinding that you will do in other games to boost your characters. And if you just sat on some easy enemies for a little bit, drew specific spells that you wanted to use, you know, like early on, you know, draw your fire spells into your strength, draw your cure spells into your hit points, boost up a few things, slowly customize your characters, and never, once you get Diablos, or is it Diablos or Diablo in this one? It's Diablos, Diablos. right? Once you get that, once you get him, which you get early in the game, you get the 50% encounter reduction, and then you get the no random encounter option, and you go through the rest of the game not fighting random battles anywhere except for one location that you can't avoid them, and bosses. And I absolutely love that because I couldn't stand the random battles. The you know the battle system itself, using guardian forces, using magic, using all the you know special attacks they had, really wasn't that fun. But once you broke that down, you were able to avoid like hours and hours of mindless combat and go through the game and focus on strategies for having a low-level character because all the characters, all the enemies in the game level up with Squall. And it just made things a whole lot better and a whole lot more enjoyable to me because it cut out all the garbage that I couldn't stand. And it made it just a fun game to go through and play. So, and that's the thing, and that's the reason I think a lot of people don't like the game is because it doesn't explain that really at all. I'm sure you could figure it out somehow, somewere or another, but it doesn't explain that. I really did have to dig in deep and kind of look around at the recommendations people had of how to play it correctly in air quotes. And, you know, who's to say that's not the correct way to play it, but the fact that the game does give you a no random encounter option early, early on in the game tends to make it a lot nicer for me. 
you know, like it's not the best. One, one thing in yeah. particular, you told me to make use of the draw points in the dungeons in the world map, and I tried to, but a lot of them are very, very stubborn and refused to recharge. Even when I went back there a sixth or a seventh time, there was still nothing else to draw. Those really aren't the best ones to go to. There's places near the end of the game. Um, mm. The island closest. Yes. To, is the island Heaven closest to, yeah. And the island closest to hell. Best place yes. in the world. Once you're near the end of the game, they have the best magic. You can spend maybe an hour there, max out your characters, cuts into probably hours and hours of grinding that you would have done throughout the game. You get Ultima, you get Flare, you get... I guess meltdown, I full life, meltdown, all kinds of spells that will just make your so characters. So those are draw points that recharge quickly. Yes. Pretty much. There's so I many just of them. All my time running around Ultimisia's castle, hoping that her stupid draw oh. points would recharge. Oh yes, yes, you did. Very much. Well, um, that just makes those... me feel dandy. <laughs> and and that's the that's the part of the game that I really understand why people can't stand is that it is not the most transparent system in the world. It's not very clear how things work, but once you figure out the keys to some of these things, it makes it a lot more manageable. And chances are the first time you play this game, you are going to hate it because it is so much more different than anything else out there. And, you know, I've always said all the Final Fantasy games are different. They may have similar systems in some way, shape, or form, but every one of them is different in their own way, and this one just happened to deviate a lot more from the rest of the games. And until you kind of know where things are, some of the tips and tricks of what to do, and a lot of people probably never will go back and try it again. And, you know, hey, I don't blame you for that. But having gone back what, 10 years after playing it the first time, playing it last year and trying it again, uh, I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more the second time, taking advantage of those things than I did the first time, because the random encounters were annoying, and going through the game with none made it really, really fun. Hmm. Hey Sam, you haven't answer. said anything about the combat. I was about to say, Sam. <laughs> Sam, how would you like to uh, how would you like to reply to Mr. Cunningham's thorough analysis of the strengths of this most awesome combat system? Uh, I never said it was that. awesome. I just like to. Uh, you you made me like feel it's awesome. I'm I'm firing it back up on my PSP right now because I'm gonna check out these spots and near hell, Sam. <laughs> You know what? I feel like I wish I knew these secrets beforehand. But then again, yes. I mean, I I played this as soon as it came out. And truth be told, I didn't hate it the first time I played it. I was just more confused. I, I was pretty young when I played it, too. So, I mean, it didn't help that because the story didn't make sense and I was trying to make sense of it. The combat system, because it's not well explained at all, and let's be honest, it's so it's poorly not. explained that, you know... Even like, after all those mandatory tutorials in the beginning. Yeah, the tutorials really don't tell you anything. And I don't know, just the combat in the game, it was very tedious. I guess is the best way for me to explain how I felt about it. I, I was like Mike. I, I got bored of drawing magic to the point where I was like, I'm just going to go punch some guys in the face. That would make me feel <laughs> more fun than drawing magic. Um, I don't know. I just It was just tedious, and it just 
didn't feel fun to me. I mean, if I had known what Michael had thoroughly just told us, I think mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed the game more. And I have tried to go back to it, and ultimately this is why I don't like it as much anymore. I have tried to go back to it, and I just, I'd get maybe up to the end of the first disc, and it'd be like, <coughs> I can't do this anymore. I can't. And I'd immediately put it away. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I survived the first part, though. <laughs> <laughs> you, I can I, understand where everybody's coming from on that aspect, because like you said, if I'd have known the things I knew about it the first time playing, it would have been a totally different experience. But, you know, I am totally with all of you all that can't stand it. For the very first time I played it, it was the same thing to me. Hey, Becky? Yep? It seems like we got two people that are for and two that are against. You got the deciding (laughs) vote here. What sayeth you about Final Fantasy VIII's debatable combat system? Um, well, this was actually the first console RPG I ever tried to play. Oh, so God, I'm, gonna I'm so have... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, wonder, Welcome. no wonder. No wonder she uh, quickly embraced the idea of doing the PC slot on the show. What a great the way to game. advertise the game, Michael. <laughs> Do not make this your first console RPG. You will be sorry. It's true. Yeah. I was living with a friend who had a PS2, and so she popped it in for me. And, um, yeah, I tried to play it, but mostly I was confused. So I can't really say one way or the other whether I thought it was any good, because I didn't know any better. I think that's the thing, is more people end up being confused over this game, justifiably so, than anything else. I think it's not so much hate as much as the fact the game is so bleh in some aspects that yeah, I'm, if I hadn't gone back and read some things I'd still hate it too so don't don't anybody feel bad for thinking it's crap because I totally understand where you're coming from of course the irony is that this isn't the first time they made a really confusing game just just I want y'all to understand that I mean you know so basically what we're saying Mike is if they want to enjoy the or Michael I should say if they want mm-hmm. to enjoy the game they need to go to hell I mean, that's what you just told our audience. <laughs> no, there's heaven, Before too. heaven. <laughs> yeah. So, you're, no. so people to enjoy this game best need to not be alive anymore. There you that go. could be said of it, yeah. All right, let's talk about let's talk about something that's generally uh, I for the most part most people sound talk about this in a more positive note. Let's talk about the uh, the graphics and the sound. What did you now I remember I remember I was I was one of those people who played the Final Fantasy games on the PlayStation 1 pretty much as as they came out. And and mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 7, you know, definitely kind of blew me away with the way it was able to merge the 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 CG with with real time action and stuff but uh, but you know definitely the fact that there was a low polygon count even in the main characters still was a, a bit of a downer but then when we got Final Fantasy VIII those people actually looked human which which mm-hmm. was a which was a nice improvement for me. Um, I mean, by that time I was kind of over the CG meets the video game because uh, we had already seen it in seven. Here they did it some more, in my opinion, they, and it worked out a little bit better. But I really like the fact that when I'm running around, I'm actually looking at human beings and not disfigured mutants. But what did y'all <laughs> think? <laughs> I gotta say real fast that it's a lot easier to navigate in this game than it was in seven. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to navigate hedge mazes than it is Final Fantasy VII, so... 
This is but yeah. This isn't yeah, about Final Fantasy VII. Sorry. Yeah, that was a, a month ago. Um, uh, this is actually aesthetically my favorite Final Fantasy. I don't. I actually think the cutscenes are still really beautiful by today's standards. Um, which is, I don't know, maybe I'm just crazy, but now the no, end you're game. Not. You're not crazy. No, no I can't. It I works. can't really argue. Square sure knew how to blow an effects budget, and they did it well. Yes. Um. I mean, just you know, the moment you turn on the game, it pretty much just blows you out of the way, orchestra and all. Um, that's actually probably my favorite opening to a game, just you know, op- all out. Oh, but yeah. the um, characters themselves, the characters themselves, I don't think have aged that greatly. But then again, I've had the unfortunate um, pleasure of playing it on a forty-seven inch screen TV, so. Um, oh, that yeah. doesn't help. That doesn't help any PS One game. But um, I mean, no. But comparing to the stuff at like the time, like Resident Evil human characters and Metal Gear Solid characters, while they're definitely pixelated, they at least you know look slightly more human. You don't have any Popeye disfigurations going on. They're just kind of dull, and the colors of the actual environments can sometimes be a bit bland. That said, they at least did try to go out for some pretty nice looking um, cities and everything. Except maybe like, Star. Star was kind of weird. I like the the look of the gardens. I always thought those were definitely breathtaking aspects of the game, just for the amount of detail and color. Actually, is like a big thing with the gardens, especially like the Balam Garden. Like I always was mesmerized by the scene where um, it lifts out of the ground and it's like mm-hmm. floating, and it just looks so cool. And the graphics really like, yeah. Say what you will, they they probably haven't aged that well, but the FMVs yeah, those are still stunning by today's standards. Am I the only one who thinks that the Balam Garden looked like a big seashell? No. I think that's, um, I, that's no. probably intentional. I mean, it's on an island. Hell, I think yeah, the actual just... city was made of seashells. I mean, the actual um, Bellum town looked like it was made of the stucco kind of seashell stuff. <laughs> wow, that, that would spawn an entire novel of a town made of seashells and how it came to be. About the seashore. Mm. And uh, I mean, what did you? What did y'all think about the sound, the music? I can still next bag. I like some it a lot, actually. Uematsu put up some really good compositions here. I I gotta give him credit for that. I like Man with the Machine Gun. I like the theme, yeah. whatever Alicia's Castle theme is. I like uh, several other action themes that I can't remember the name of because I don't know the soundtrack. But Eyes on Me uh, is not something I ever particularly wanted to hear and certainly not twice. Well, the, yeah, actually, the funny thing is that's technically my favorite song but by a different singer. Because, I don't know, the um, Faye Wong's original rendition is about as boring and soulless as humanly possible. <laughs> Oh my um, god, so- Fei Wong. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and yet, didn't that song sell millions of copies? It did. There's no Dude, she was, she was the most popular Chinese pop singer when that song came out. And if uh-huh. you ever get the chance, you should definitely go listen to some of her other Chinese pop music. Dude, she does river dance. There's some <laughs> random knowledge for You're you. You're selling me on this so well, Sam. I'm going to Amazon right now. Well, oh, wait, not. that's a bizarre world. 
Actually, an interesting um, the the artist that has an official cover for it is Anja Aki, who would later on could do go do Final Fantasy XII's main thing, singing theme. Oh, she's awesome, by the way. She put a lot of soul into that song, and actually, Eyes on Me turns around a complete 180 in the um, heart and soul aspect. So if you can um, YouTube that anytime, that actually is a much better rendition. And then, if they ever remake this game in any format, I hope they replace the original with that. Yeah, no, she's she's phenomenal, uh, Angela Aki. She's got a lot of really good songs. I'm gonna say she also does some Bruce Springsteen covers, which is kind of interesting. This age, hey, I, I buy all her albums. It's wonderful artist. Yep. I'm a big fan of Maybe I'm a Lion. That was one of my favorites from the from the soundtrack. Maybe I'm oh, alone like on that too. No, like that's that actually a good one. Now Whatever the name of the track in Hestar is. I thought the music overall was very fitting, um, considering I was somebody that was, you know, grown up on the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies and wasn't a big fan overall of 7 and 8 comparatively. I thought 7 has one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, and 8 has some of my favorite pieces of all time Mm -hmm. within it. I don't think overall that I like everything in 8, and the same goes for 9, but there are some pieces in the eight soundtrack that I could just listen to over and over. The Brie Fatale, which everybody seems to agree is awesome, which is the yep. opening song. <laughs> I just, I don't know, like, I liked a lot of the slower piano pieces in the, in the soundtrack, because I thought a lot of them were actually they stood out a lot, and they were just very pretty to listen to. Kind of made you feel all squishy on the inside. <laughs> Except for the part where this game is not very good about making you feel very squishy on the inside. No, it's not. Anyways... <laughs> Um, and of course, uh, man of man with the machine gun. Like people can make fun of me with that crazy techno-ness, but it's such a good song. Like if that was the actual battle theme of that game, I would have been so much more happy. <laughs> Too bad it was not. <laughs> hey, it just but made, it made Laguna really better. Bad. Exactly. Yes. Gotta love that. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Now, the good news is, if you're interested in Final Fantasy VIII and playing it today, you can get on the PlayStation Network, what is it, 10 bucks, 15 I think it's 10 No idea. Yeah, it's 10, really... uh, it's 10 or 15 bucks, and and, and I was going to ask uh, Michael, because I believe you played it on the PSP, right? Yes, all three of the PlayStation Final Fantasies I've played recently on the PSP. I'm just now finishing up. I'm in the last... Uh, area of Final Fantasy 7 on PSP all of them play really really well I think it's a great format for them so that's one thing that's kind of helped me become more of a PSP fanboy recently so yep you can play it on the PSP very easily there you go and um, before I ask y'all for your final uh, thoughts on the game let me read a couple of user comments Sir Edric wrote on our boards regarding the topic of Final Fantasy 8 it, uh, it was the first uh, game in the Final Fantasy series that I hated. Almost all the complaints are echoed in the review of the game uh, by Spoonie One, and he puts a he put a link on there. This was the first RPG I put down. I never picked it up again. One infamous scene, y'all know which one it is, made me turn the game off. I can never bring myself to turn it back on again. So I got to ask y'all, what which which of the scenes is the infamous one you think he's referring to there? Oh, yeah, the scene the in space. I think it's the scene in space. That one turned me off more than the orphanage. <laughs> oh, the Forever floating scene. towards each other. It well, could be either talk, of those. When I talked to Glenn about this, he 
responded to my encounter with the orphanage scene by saying, aren't you glad I didn't spoil that for you? Wasn't it wonderful to experience for yourself? <laughs> and yeah, it is wonderful to experience for yourself. You'll never see anything else like it. I hope. Uh, <laughs> so do we. Ombrace Ombrace writes, Final Fantasy VIII. Well, that one. The story was good, but the way it was made with the junction and all was not good. We could not use our spells or else stats went down and we have to draw again. Everything was leveling with us, so the difficulty was there, but it's not fun. Well, not as much as the other games. So that's a couple of thoughts from our friends on the boards, but now it's time to give your final thoughts. you got 60 seconds. I'm going to go through the list here. Each one of you will have 60 seconds to either convince our audience where they should rush out and play it on their PSP or something, or whether they should stay far, far away. We're going to start off with Miss Sam Marcello. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, 60 seconds, any... the clock is running. Go. Space scene. Watch it. <laughs> Love it. And while you're at it, tell Chris Privateer that it's a horrible, horrible romance scene. For the love of God. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Mike Minky. I'm just going to go off on an appeal here. Square Enix, you remake games all the freaking time now. Why not remake this, which actually needs it? There are so many things you could do better in a remake. So why not? People might give it a chance and find, hey, you did it better this time, instead of going back to the original and being confused, bewildered, befuddled, stupefied, stunned, disgusted. All Many other adjectives might apply. I think Mike, I said enough. Mike, sweetie, can I just say something to you for one moment about that? You might. That's never going to happen unless they remake Final Fantasy VII first. Uh -huh. I know. Mr. Charles Rayner, you're on the clock. Go. Never mind. Um, let's see. The um, I don't know. I probably say this is as mentioned. This is should not be your first foray into the genre or even Final Fantasy as it is. This is definitely one of the black sheep of the family, and should definitely be approached with that kind of thought process in mind. If you know how you're playing, it's outlined by Michael Cunningham and a lot of FAQs out there. You can probably get a lot of enjoyment out of this game. Um, overall, though, don't go expecting diamonds. This might be a little bit rough around the edges for you. Fair enough. Becky, would you like to give us a spot? Well, I never finished it, and I never felt motivated to go back and finish it, so I don't think I'd expect anybody else to want to. So, in conclusion, kid hot for teacher, pretty normal. Teacher hot for kid, pretty creepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> You've been saving that one up for a while, I imagine. She that one in the back pocket. <laughs> she was holding that ace in her hand for a while. And play Van Halen. Mr. Cunningham, <laughs> the final word is yours. I'll, you know, just copy a lot of other people's thoughts. Definitely shouldn't be your first one. Definitely read up more about it before you go into it. Uh, definitely try it on the PSP before anything else. And really... Enjoy the no random encounters. Ignore the story. Play it just to say you played it. And that's, yeah. It's not a glowing endorsement by any means, but I thought it was a great experience. So. Wow. Well, so there it is. We leave Good that. Good music, too. 
<laughs> we leave that on the floor for you, our audience. So decide whether or not you want to rush out there and buy Final Fantasy VIII. And while you're contemplating that life-changing decision, we are going to take a break from all of our in-house uh, debating, loving, and hating. And we'll be back in a few minutes. How are you doing? I'm still doing fine. Are you ready? Are you ready to introduce the PC Pit Stop for the very first time to RPG Backtrack fans around the world? Absolutely. Then let's do this. What are we talking about today? We are talking about Quest for Glory 1, originally known as Heroes Quest until somebody or another sued Sierra. Um, It was, to my knowledge, the very first... Um, adventure game RPG hybrid and those are still pretty rare um, and generally um, was known as a pretty darn fun game and, 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 and that no that's a great introduction and, and I'm right there with you I, I it was it was probably oh, gosh back on the Tandy 1000 days one of the one of the very first uh, RPGs that I played on a PC now, I had played games on the Commodore before that. You, you know, but um, what, did you play it on the PC? Uh, yeah, I played it. I think I played the VGA remake. I don't remember exactly what I played. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I played the original. Uh, I played the original. Gosh, I don't know if it was VGA or EGA. Uh, that, or maybe it was TGA because actually I was using Tandy computer and they had their own graphics. The the, the, nice. the Tandy Tandy graphics. Um, and whatnot. So yeah, it was it was it was beautiful. So nineteen eighty nine was about the year that it came out and reserves properly or wiki's correct. And the VGA remake came out a couple of years later. So yeah. tell uh, tell us a little bit about the game. Well basically um it starts off like your typical kind of older RPG. You got to choose your class so you could be a fighter, a magic user or a thief. Um, unlike some of the later Quest for Glory games, um, you could actually pick your abilities, and for extra points, you could choose cross-class abilities. So back in the 90s when I played it, I actually played a thief-slash-magic user, so I could pretty much do just about anything in the game. Um, so that was fun. Um, and once you get into it, though, it plays a lot more like an adventure game at first. Um, you walk around town, you have conversations with people, you pick up random objects, and you die a lot. You die a lot. Uh, I think when I replayed this game just recently, um, I died by accidentally walking in front of a dartboard and being darted to death by ordering the dragon's breath in the tavern, which, of course, everyone tells you not to do, so of course you're going to do it, and um, dying, um, getting thumped on the head by a troll, falling out of a tree, and accidentally clicking on myself with my lockpick, thereby attempting to pick my nose but hitting my brain instead and dying. Lots of Wow. Your, your Amazon just doesn't take direction well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so much. Um, 
But, I mean, it's really easy to die, but there's always something funny um, on the screen when you die, so it's almost worth it, and sometimes you just do goofy things. You basically, you save a lot. Um, so once you get out of town, once you've done sort of the intro to the game type stuff... Oh, and by the way, this was originally planned as a series, which would be the life of this hero. So um, this is the very first game where the hero is just starting out. So basically... The hero's kind of an idiot, and everybody knows that the hero's kind of an idiot, and they treat them like, treat him like sort of an idiot. Um, so, you're not getting any respect in this game, at least not at, at first. Um, you get so no you want No, not none at all. Everyone insults you pretty much, which is pretty funny. So then you wander off into the woods, and you discover that um, at least in the VGA remake, the combat system is really not all that. Um, it's kind of uh, awkward and not very fun. So I recommend for first-time people that you play a magic user so you can shoot things with spells and not have to worry about attempting to dodge and attempting to hit things with your sword and having it timed funny, especially on DOSBox. Um, but other than that, like then you start getting into the quests, and it's, it's a pretty decent story. Um, for an adventure game, there's not too many completely illogical things that you have to do. Um, so most of the puzzles are pretty logical, and um, so that's not too bad. And you just kind of solve some quests, and you become a hero. Mm. And, and, so, and that, so the quest for glory is successful? Um, as long as you don't die, which you will do many times. Mm. Well, there's uh, always that qualification. If you die, you're not much of a hero <laughs> in games. In real life, oh, yes. yes, but not in games. <laughs> but this game just... is particularly easy to die in. Oh, yeah. Let me just interrupt you for a second. We need to say uh, a goodbye, Mr. Michael Cunningham. He has graciously stayed up way past his bedtime to help us out here, but he needs to head off and catch some Z's. <laughs> Sorry. It wasn't boring. I just fell asleep because it's late here and I'm crazy. Yeah, thank you, and uh, I'll talk to you all later. See you all. Bye. Thanks a lot, Michael. We loved having you on. Enjoy having a quest for glory, though. We We, we, we are. <laughs> Good night, good sir. It was nice to have someone who really, really liked the game on board. Hmm. Yes. It so was... you say now, I'll listen to this later and see how much you bash me once I leave. <laughs> he'll see. He'll find out that he'll find out, Mike, that uh, that we edited him all. <laughs> Everything he said. Or we actually every time he made a comment like "I love the graphics," we inserted the word "hate." <laughs> <laughs> Charles, maybe yeah, and we don't do it in me. either of our voices. We find Spoonie's voice and stick it over him. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I love uh, you, Spoonie. Maybe Charles will defend me. So, all right. <laughs> I'll see you all later. All right. Good night. Um, Good night. But yeah, to go back to Quest for Glory One, and and just to touch on, I mean, you kind of went over a lot of things real fast, and I I just want to revisit just a couple things. Uh, the combat system, I will I will tell you when I when I first played the game, and it happened again when I replayed it for backtrack. I, I tend to approach when I approach combat and games, uh, being that I grew up on gold box and whatnot, I really like to try to think my way through battles. And in Quest for Glory, I always get my butt kicked the first half a dozen times or so before I realize. You know, it doesn't pay to do the dodge or the pair. Just, just keep slashing. Just slash, slash nonstop. <laughs> if you if you try to play defense, uh, I generally get my butt handed to me on a silver platter. I don't know now. I don't know if that changes if you're playing like a rogue and you can get you know you can actually get your dodge skill up really high. But in playing, usually I'll play a, a mage. 
and dodging just, I mean, if I spend time dodging, I'm still getting hit, and I'm not doing anything in return. My, my best uh, defense usually with a mage is just a good offense, even if that, even if all I have for an offense is my dagger. Yeah, no, the mage should not try to block or do anything except blow things up. I don't know about the fighter. I've never played a fighter, but um, it was bad enough as a rogue. I mean, you don't do a lot of damage, but um, I never got the hang of throwing knives at things when I was playing this last time as just a pure rogue. Uh So I basically kind of tried to slash at things and hope. And and one thing about uh, the the combat as you're walking around the world um, uh, and you're playing if you're, if you're playing mage now one thing about this game is that even if you're playing a rogue or playing a fire you can pick up on uh, or a mage you can usually pick up on most of the other skills right as long as you buy magic at the beginning then you'll have it but if you don't buy it at the very beginning then you don't mm. um. So if you're using magic, uh, your magic points as you use them, they will replenish as you walk around. Health replenishes much more slowly, though you can use the rest command uh, to give you a little bit of a boost there from time to time. Um, but this is one game where, you know, where I, I was pretty surprised for such an early game, but uh, you actually would have to kind of watch, you know, ration out your hit points and stuff, because um, if you just took on too many combats in a single day, eventually you get war- you, your hit points would go down to the point where you die. Um, I mean, every battle wears you down, so to speak. You can never, it never really seems like I rest enough to completely catch up once I've been through a few fights. I need to go somewhere and rest for the entire night. Uh, for me, it was actually more the stamina than the hit points that gave me trouble. You run out of stamina really quickly um, if you're not playing a mage. Oh right, right, yes, and, and that yeah. At the beginning, when I didn't have uh, I didn't have really good offensive spells, I had the l- little spell that lights up your dagger, so your dagger does more damage, and uh, you can only cast that a couple of times at the beginning. Um, no, I was in the same position as you. I actually died a few times because <laughs> apparently, when you run out of stamina, you just you're so tired you can't breathe anymore. Yep. Then you die. Then you die. Then you die. Again. Yeah. And it, but if you know, back in the back in the uh, late eighties, even mid eighties, late eighties, and early nineties, these ad- adventure uh, type games were very very popular. Uh, games like Leisure Suit Larry and Black Cauldron and things like that. But this was the one game that really brought a lot of RPG elements into it, such as stats that increased as you went through. It had a combat system. Those stats. You know, would increase uh, as you go along uh, and whatnot. So it really brought some RPG elements. Uh, Sam, do you have a question for us? Oh, I was just asked, wondering um, Quest for Glory, does it play like Dungeon Master? Because I'd like to try Quest for Glory, but I have horrible, horrible nightmares of Dungeon Master. <laughs> I loved Dungeon Master. Um, <laughs> but no, Quest for Glory plays like King's Quest with combat. Okay. Basically, because Dungeon Master, I mean, I, I couldn't barely get through the first hallway. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it mastered you, huh? That Dungeon mastered you, which it's a hard game. Yeah, it is. Um, don't don't feel bad. I, I didn't get too far with Dungeon Master either. I might have to take another crack at it. Um, now, uh, what did you think about the? What did you think, Becky, about the story and the humor, whatnot? Well, the humor is great. Um, the the Sierra games were known for their humor, and there's always fun funny things happening. As I mentioned, deaths are usually funny, and a lot of the characters are pretty quirky and have um, amusing things to say. So that that's a good time, and the story is pretty pretty decent. Um, 
it's uh, sort of a little bit of twisted fairy tale stuff, but it takes some lesser known fairy tales like um, the wicked witch character is actually Baba Yaga, who's um, a witch from Russian folklore, as opposed to you know the usual taking the Brothers Grimm and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it also has um, decent female characters. Which is always nice, even though I think it was actually one of the first games to start the why can't I play a female character um, controversy. I remember reading about that in some magazines. Um, a number Sierra had a lot of female fans, and they were kind of upset that um, you know this was a role playing game and you're supposed to be able to play a character that re- represents yourself, but they only let you play a male character. Yeah, um, now Becky, I want yeah. you to make sure you're absolutely clear on this point that this had strong female characters because if Sam goes and plays this on your recommendation and those females are not great characters, she will come back and get all rageful on me. Okay? Well, I did say decent, and there's not a lot of them. Um, but there is one that's 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 relatively um, strong, and there's also a healer who's pretty cool, and she'll kick your butt if you're rude to her. Sweet! Nice. So, and I, I wouldn't... I, and, and, and the... The main bad guy is is a lady, and she's well, evil. Sam seems to like it when women beat the crap out of people. <laughs> That's bonus points. Hey, I do too. I mm. like badass women. I just don't like airheaded women, which Final Fantasy and the PlayStation era gave me quite frequently. <laughs> well, there, I, I don't think there's any airheaded women in this game. So there you go. There you go. Sweet. That means um, I can play this game. One of the other interesting aspects of this game, and this, well, the series, I should say, is that once you complete number one, you can actually take your character and play through number two and number three, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? Pretty much, if you could manage to keep your save games well enough and transfer them through the various systems that um, the games ended up coming out on. Mm. So, how did, um, when you when you played uh, you played this back when you played this back in the day, did you beat mm-hmm. it? Yes, I did, and I took my character into Quest for Glory 2. And ah. I think I took him into Quest for Glory 3, but they took away his magic and just made him a regular thief, which was kind of sad. Aw, that is sad. Hmm. Thieves need their little special tricks up their sleeves. Seriously. Thief um, in Final Fantasy 1 got magic as a ninja, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. So, um... Mm, when you beat, did you did you use any of the? Remember the good old fashioned hint books in the day that that the the answers were were you know they they showed like a question and then in order to read the answer you had to use this red lens paper that it came with <laughs> so that you could see the blue letters through the red uh, gerbly that was on top of it. Did, did you use one of those guys? No, but I think I called the Sierra hint line once or twice. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Um, can I call this nine hundred number? <laughs> <laughs> Only for two minutes. Was it, was it four or five bucks a minute? Oh, I don't remember. I don't think it was that expensive, but I was only allowed to use it once or twice per Sierra game, so I had to make sure I was really stuck. Yeah, I mean, back in, and I and I just point that out because I don't remember if you know for a fact if my Quest for Glory, 
if if I had the ability. But I remember, like, Leisure Suit Larry definitely had the ability to buy the, the hint book. We would see it at the game store, whatever have you. It was like an extra ten bucks. It would usually come, in in the game, they would usually give you uh, the questions and answer hint books for, like, the first chapter or something, or the first hour of gameplay. And mm-hmm. it had the little red lens, so you, would all, you wouldn't see the answers accidentally. If you were hitting your head up against the wall, you look through the list of questions, find the one answer you were looking for, then you the red lens so that you wouldn't get any spoiler action. Which means yep. it wouldn't be appropriate for Backtrack because we love spoilers. But, <laughs> you know, back in those days, we didn't care for spoilers because it was new back then. So that was pretty nifty. I thought it was kind of an, an interesting little tidbit from, from back in the day. So let's talk about playing this game today. Now, I played it through uh, DOSBox. And DOSBox is fairly easy to find. Just Google it and whatever have you. And Quest for Glory 1 is, uh, and I was playing the VGA remake, is pretty much considered abandonware, so I was able to obtain that quite easily from one of the many abandonware sites that are out there. How, how about you, Becky? Yeah, I, I got it from the same place you did because you told me where to find it. Oh, right. <laughs> Short-term memory. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know you you were telling me that you were having some problems with some, some lockups halfway through the game. Did you, Were you able to resolve those? I just had to not play for very long at a time because eventually, um, I don't know what would happen, but the mouse input would get messed up and I wouldn't be able to walk off screen. So, uh, but ooh. it happens. Now, I think if I was using... Because I can use the arrow keys to maneuver around the character, too, right? I I don't think I had yeah. to click. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember if I tried that, but it just started getting also slower and less responsive, which is no good in the combat. No, no. Uh, and one thing I'll, I'll point out to people... Um, is if you're playing the VGA remake, I can't remember if it was this way. I'm pretty sure it was this way in the original, but I can't. I don't remember for sure. But it does have the ability to speed up or slow down the game inside the options. And and when you're walking long distances, <laughs> it's good to speed things up. But then when you're in areas with with monsters and stuff, and you want to be able to cast before they touch you, uh, then you need to slow things uh, back down or whatnot. So that that slider's pretty easy to get to. It, it, one of the nice things is that it has a save anywhere system, uh, which yes. is. A godsend back in those days, <laughs> and and it's necessary. Absolutely necessary. Save early, save often. I think that's one of the jokes in the game. So, yep. Ooh. So I, I mean, I, I personally give this one a thumbs up. How about you, Becky? Oh, absolutely. It's worth playing. I don't think when I played it again, I didn't find it as good as I did back in the day. Um, I think I remembered it with a little more nostalgia than it deserved, but it's definitely worth playing. Um, yeah, and, and I, I agree with you on um, on that sentiment. When I went back and played it again, it wasn't it wasn't quite as 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 fun. The humor is still there. It made me chuckle in a couple of spots um, and whatnot. And 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 but the, I think part of it is the combat. It goes so it goes so fast, and it's really just attack, 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 attack. If you're a magic user, you can quickly toss in a spell or two before the monster hits you. If you if you got the game speed slowed down. Um, inside of combat, uh, casting spells is a little little difficult, but still doable. Uh, but some of the you know some of the rough edges you know from over the years kind of shows a little bit. But I still think it's worth at least going you know go go download it, try it out for a, a couple hours, do the VGA remake. Uh, certainly, you can go the old fashioned style. Now, one one big difference between the I, we do need to point this out. Uh, one big difference between the VGA remake and if you decide to go back and play the original 1989 version is is the input. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
with the with the original game back in those days, I, I don't think people I don't remember if we were even using mice back in those days, but you did a lot of typing. So if you were in a bar and you wanted to you know talk to the bartender, you would you know you would bring up the text screen and type in talk to bartender. Um, so you'd be walking around, you'd be walking around trying out all these different text commands, you know, to figure out what you could do. And, and you know, on one hand, that could be a little frustrating because you didn't always know exactly what you could or you couldn't do, and you were typing and typing and typing trying to figure those things out. On the other hand, it was kind of funny sometimes because you type in something that, especially if you type in something that was clearly bogus, uh, like beat up bartender or something, or uh, make a pass at the the bartender's wife, and it would come back with uh, with a sarcastic remark. That the programmers programmed in, you'd find a lot of little Easter eggs that way. Yep. Yeah. And you you could also die by typing "pick nose" in, oh. in the original with the text parser. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> because you try to use your lockpick. Finger you've got. Yeah, that's a, that's a killer finger. On no, the, you'd, on use, the... you'd use your lockpick. That's the problem. Oh goodness! On the VG, on the VG. It's a good thing you didn't have any ear, any uh, Q-tips, right? Wow! Yep. Yeah. Now on the VGA remake, it, 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 it's it was already by the '90s. It was already moving to the more modern way, the way adventure games even work today, for the most part, where you're using a, a, a context-sensitive mouse. So as you as you go around, you can right-click to switch between the eye and the hand, and to walk and whatnot, and and you can quickly look over things in the room or perform actions on various things in the room using using the mouse in your inventory and your you know if you're a caster using your spells or if you're uh, a thief, I think you pick your you pick your skills from a list or something when you want to use them in a certain area. Yeah, there's a certain extra menu, or you just choose the lock pick from your inventory to pick a lock and stuff like that. Yeah. So in that in that in that case, I I think that the VGA remake is a little bit easier since it's contact context sensitive. It's easier to kind of quickly go around and, and see what you can and you can't do. Of course, yeah. the easiest way to play Quest for Glory 1 is simply go to GameFAQs.com. <laughs> not, not that I would ever condone doing such Yeah, a- I don't know anybody who admitted <laughs> to playing the entire game through with GameFAQs. Yeah, no, no, no. Bad, bad. Very evil. Okay, so Quest for Glory 1. Everyone go out and download it. I say buy it. Okay. And... <laughs> We're, we're now going to leave uh, the shores of the U, good old U.S. of A. and the games that were made here within our borders and head overseas to Mike's Import Corner. Because this is just Mato Monogatari that I'm talking about today. It's not on the Genesis, it's on the Saturn, and it's not just Arla running around in a single tower trying to pass her magic exam because she's five years old. No, she's a teenager. This is far more based off of the Puyo Puyo games and their 
frankly, crazy character designs. At one point in this game, you will have Suke Todora on your team. Suke Todora is a fish with the limbs of a baby. And I will have to pick up a picture of him because Suke Todora just looks bizarre. You will also have to... You will meet other bizarre characters like Harpy, who you have to beat up, and Harpy is frankly insane because uh, she thinks she has an incredible singing voice when in fact the few moments you actually hear her sing are to the point of wanting to scratch your ears off. She's really, really not good at that. The game itself is pretty standard. Uh, you, f- you play as a guy named Lagnus at the beginning who has to go fight the evil Yogg. Yogg is just a, be- a giant eyeball at the beginning, and you fight Yogg a lot through this game, but at least Yogg changes every time, and it even changes its form. The game is just... It's goofy, it's fun, it's pretty easy to play, it's very easy to import. One thing that is noteworthy, there is no attack option. Instead, you have some spells that cost zero magic points. Hmm. It's pretty. Zero. It's fairly long. It's very entertaining. Like I said, it's an easy import. Anyone who's played a turn-based RPG before will know what to do in this. There are a couple parts where you're just where you'll be wandering around talking to the right person, but more or less, you will know how to handle this. You'll have fun with it. It's not exactly a complicated combat system, but it's fun. And as traditional RPGs on the Saturn go, this is one of the better ones. I realize that doesn't include too many of our listeners because not many people have roamed to Saturn, and it's still a pain to emulate. Yeah, well, I mean, a few, a few there, there's a few collectors I've talked to that that, that got a Saturn. They 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 got it on the shelf. They hold it close to their bosom when they go to bed at night. I mean, nothing gives you gamer cred like having a Saturn. Nothing says I am a true hardcore gaming nerd. Like, I mean, not a nerd. I didn't mean to say that, Mike. Um, you know, gaming buff, like having a Saturn. I mean, I had a Saturn. Yes. I just don't have it anymore. <laughs> yes, mm. what, uh, what nicer word than nerd did you mean to use, hmm? Mm. Mm. I don't know, because I'm a nerd myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so if you have a Saturn, then you say this is definitely worth seeking out and importing. Yeah. And I will say that it's when I bought it, it was about thirty-five bucks. So you won't be able to get it very cheap, but it, it's worth your while, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, uh, that sounds pretty cool. Do, do you think? You, do you think this? Um, that you think? I mean, turn-based games usually the language barrier isn't such an issue. Do you think that's an issue here? I say no. Again, if you've played a turn-based game, you'll be able to figure out what you're doing real fast and. There's nothing particularly complicated about it that you're going to be constantly... It's not like, it's not like one of those complicated... I mean, some turn-based strategy games have some pretty in-deep combat systems, and but this one's pretty much straightforward. You're going to have a list of attacks that are represented by symbols. Once you've seen what one does, you pretty much get a clue what it does across the board. Yeah, and even if you can't be bothered to remember the symbols, your characters do have voice acting in battle where they will announce their attack names. Arla has a thick Japanese accent, so Ice Storm becomes Ice Storm. That sort of <laughs> what you got for us, Sam? I just wanted to know, Mike, because you said this is a, more akin to Puyo Puyo, but what did you mean by that? Because, like, when I think of Puyo Puyo, I think of you know Kirby's Avalanche. 
<laughs> well, you know, the Mata Monogatari games that were came before Puyo Puyo, all the characters in Puyo Puyo came out of those RPGs that were on Japanese PCs back in the 80s. Okie so, so pretty much if you just want, if you know Puyo Puyo, if you know how goofy this rogues gallery of character is, like Skeleton T, the guy who usually beat up on early in a Puyo Puyo game, and you beat up on him early in this game too, and he's a skeleton who likes to drink tea, which really doesn't work when he has no stomach or even a gullet for it to go down. But don't ask. You're not meant to ask. You're just meant to go and say, wow, that's like nothing I've seen before, but it's incredibly charming and goofy nevertheless. And nevertheless, I stomo. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That sounds or, like a pretty... Fire! Fire! Not fire. Fire! Fire! This sounds like a pretty fire fun game. It is. Well, I don't know about y'all, but after uh, after that long in-house debate about Final Fantasy VIII, then uh, talking about Quest for Glory, then traveling around the world for Mike's Import Corner, I think I'm ready for the last lap. So we'll be back in just a moment, and we'll wrap this up. Thanks to everyone who brought on boards. Um, definitely so, keep the comments coming. Yes, sir. I just noticed that there's a new comment on the last backtrack thread. Another new one? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Yeah. Better check it out. Uh-oh. <laughs> it came while we were recording this. While we were recording. Oh, my gosh. i got I got to keep loading this in real time now just to keep the <laughs> podcast accurate. Uh, let's see. Thartan writes, Also, Sam forgot to mention that Lutz, called Noah and Sega's poor English translation of Final Fantasy Star 1, appears in Final Fantasy Star 2 by name. If you forgot where Lutz Noah appears in PS2, he is a refugee esper who helps out Usus, known as Rolf in Sega's poor English translation of Fantasy Star 2. Also, Langrisser wasn't the first Langrisser game. The Crest of Gaia for the Turbo Graphics PC Engine Japan was... Also, I'm happy to see another Land Grissin fan. Another thing, shame on you, Phil. Me? <laughs> How dare you cut somebody off and deliberately ignore them? My, well, I do that all the time. How long has he been listening to our show? Um, well, gosh, next thing you know, they're going to be calling me names of certain other hosts. Mike was reading you the English SK box art. And Mike, the text adventures of PS2 and Fantasy Star Gaiden, as well as Fantasy Star Adventure, have been fan translated to English. I'm still not happy with you, Phil. Well, Aww. I'm sorry. Did I? I didn't think you deserved that. I, 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 yeah. Mm. I think, um, yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what he's referring to. The only part I remember actually, kind of, maybe possibly stepping in front of you just a little bit was at the at the you know at the very end because I was getting some feedback. 
and it was increasing. You know, when, when feedback starts getting into a loop, you can kind of hear it slowly building up. So I was just trying to wrap that up before, and I think I still had to edit some of it out. But I mean, I, I yeah, I was just trying to wrap it up and get on. But I, that's the only part. I, I don't know. Do you remember that? I don't Did I cut I you remember, off someplace? I remember it. Uh, you spoke over me briefly and then stopped, and I didn't make an issue out of it because I was doing something that I hadn't done before, so the confusion was understandable. Mm. And, and uh, you know, Thornton, I, I promise you that, you know, after we get done actually recording, Mike and I, we just grab a couple of bats and beat each other down for any time we are rude to each other on the cast. We get out of our system, and at the end of the day, we're, we're good brothers, and we're singing Kumbaya before the next podcast starts, so... Yeah, and these aren't any normal bats either. These are spiked bats. We really go at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, don't we find something... Didn't we, last time we found some bats from um, from Earthbound, right? Those are some good bats. They were. Anything that can beat down Gygus is a good, solid bat. Mm, good times. Mm, okay. Well, uh, well, 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 I'll try to be a little bit more curious next time, Mike. You can be my referee. Let me know if I step on your toes again. Hmm. Um... Uh, anyways, uh, do, do we have a contest question this week, Mike? Uh, I know we forgot last well, time. Well, Sam has a prize, actually, so let me think of a question real fast while she announces the prize. All right, Sam, tell us what our potential contestants can win if they get the question right. I'm not sure if anyone will want this, but I have... <laughs> we don't care whether or not they want it or not, Sam. It's a prize. <laughs> it's a I prize. I have a handmade selfie plushie. Ooh. And I post a picture of her when the backtrack goes up, and I'd like to give her a home. So whoever gets the contest question correctly, if you would like to have selfie, you can have her. And she's like in great condition, you know. Like I bought her because I was supporting uh, a folk artist that was at Anime North a couple of years back. Um, but you know, if somebody's interested, you know, you can have my cute little selfie. Nice. I'm just sad because they didn't have like if they'd had a Keystus, I would have gotten that, but you know, they didn't. So I got selfie. Aww. She likes trains. <laughs> That's all you need to know about her. She <laughs> likes trains. She likes them enough to sing about them, doesn't she? I like trains. I like trains. I like trains. <laughs> oh my goodness, choo choo trains. Oh. Mm. Mike's still looking for his question. I think. Nope, I've got one. He's got one. Go for it, What Mike. is the amount of money you get at at Squall's top seed rank? What is the amount of money you get at Squall's top seed rank? That's a pretty fair question. So, hopefully... Now, last time we, you asked a question, I think that the answer got up within five minutes of the podcast hitting. Let's see if this... Hey, by the way, Sam, am I allowed to enter into this? I like plushies. Yes. Woohoo! <laughs> but- <laughs> Random question: Did did anyone actually get the last uh, the one for Fantasy Star right? Because I actually knew the answer to that one. Um, yes, actually, I was surprised at how fast I got the answer. The answer hit my box rather quickly. Okay, for those who yep. didn't know, the song was from Fantasy Star Three. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know we should do that. We should actually say what the answer was on the show for the last show. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> that would be professional follow up. Something we're not really known for. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, <laughs> There's no need to advertise it. People are supposed to pick it up by osmosis or whatever. Oh, right, right. 
Um, <laughs> I want to. Um, anyways, uh, questions and comments may be written on our boards, of course. So if you want to hear your comments written, uh, what are we talking about next week, Mike? Or next show? We are going up to the DS and its Castlevania trilogy. Castlevania trilogy. So we're talking about uh, Castlevania: Dawn of Sorrow, Ruin, and Order of Ecclesia. Order of Ecclesia, and uh, for Blast from the Recent Past, I believe we're talking about Final Fantasy Fables, Chocobo's Dungeon, uh, Final Fantasy IV, I believe that's the DS remake, and Azuna 2. So if you have questions or comments or anything along those lines, uh, please feel free to uh, write on the boards, and we will read those on the air. And uh, Or you can email them directly to jcservant at rpgamer.com. Uh, remember, you can always record and mail any two-minute review on any of the games we're talking about. Um, just go ahead and record it. And I, I actually put on the board, I think you can actually just add me as a friend in Skype. I'm JCServant7. And uh, when you call, leave a message, and I can record that and add it onto the show. I'm, I want to try it out. So if someone's bored, give it a shot. Um, Becky? Yes? I want to thank you and Charles and Miss uh, Sam. Thank you all for being on the show. Is there, Becky, is there anything you want to say to the audience before we leave? Do you have anything you want to pitch out there, tell them to go check out, or anything like that? Oh, boy. Um, well, I've been playing uh, Pokemon Ranger Shadows of All Man, and I'm surprised at how fun it is to draw circles around Pokemon. So, <laughs> Isn't it fun? <laughs> is, is that a multiplayer game that can be played with other people? No. Hmm. I think there might be some kind of Wi-Fi something or another, but it's kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. So, everybody, go play it, and then write on the boards about how many Pokemon you capture by drawing circles, so that Becky has other friends to talk about her Pokemon exploits with. Please do, I, I because my husband makes fun of me for doing it. He's like, "Are you having fun drawing circles?" I'm like, "Shut up! It's fun." It's fun. <laughs> I have to. I have to defend my love of Pokemon Ranger like all the time to people, and I shouldn't have to. It's a fun game. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. And Mr. Charles, got anything for the audience before we head off? No, I don't. Hmm. Sam? Um, I don't really have anything to say other than I had a mint chocolate milkshake and you should all do the same. Milkshake. So Sam is giving a sounding endorsement for milkshakes. Everybody run out and get the most creamy, chocolatey milkshake you can. If you're worried about your weight or your calories, don't worry. It's alright because Sam said so. <laughs> I don't know if I should be endorsing that. I'm also the same person who endorses cheesecake. Sam is also endorsing cheesecake. Cheesecake. Okay. Oh. Dokey. Well, RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, at rpgamer.com. And as always, Mr. Mike, you've got the last word. Send us away. JFK is being assassinated. Mr. T is Clubber Lang. Michelangelo is designing the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo is munching on pizza. Dante is writing the Divine Comedy. The Romans are losing at Adrianople. MST3K is ending. Ramses is fighting for the new kingdom. Dinosaurs are eating each other. Stars are forming. Godzilla is being hit by an oxygen destroyer. Starships are flying to the Andromeda Galaxy. Sega is still in the console race. Pickett is charging at Gettysburg. Time compressors on the loose, and we can't talk anymore, so goodbye!